Welcome to the Energy Impact Heal Yourself, Heal the Planet podcast, where we seek out the best tools that have helped people to heal themselves and the latest advice from top holistic practitioners in the area of health and wellness. We also have inspiring conversations with individuals that are helping to heal the planet and leave this world in a better place. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Energy Impact Podcast. Let's go. So amazing conversation I had just today with Ben Logan around kind of this time, like what's going on, coronavirus, what can we do if we are in self-isolation and to prepare ourselves as well, like mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, life can be tough and what are the things we can do to make ourselves more resilient in these times and build our health and wellness. And so it was a fantastic conversation, really pertinent timing as well to have this conversation with Ben. So he's an elite athlete, he's a health performance and survival specialist, and he was a elite athlete doing triathlons. His ultimate passion is working with like-minded groups and individuals, teaching the art of performance and survival, then translating those skills and mindset strategies across into their chosen profession. So he spends a lot of his time in Wanaka, New Zealand, beautiful place, massive mountains and gets really cold in the winter. And you, you can find him here testing new research on human optimization, survival training, and exploring with his family in this beautiful region. And he has worked with fathers, sons, corporate, professional sports teams, such as the Sydney Roosters, the rugby league team, and some of the world's best athletes and military personnel. And so in this podcast, we talk about developing a mindset around human optimization and resilience in modern times. You know, how can people optimize their time in quarantine or self-isolation during this time to optimize their overall health, wellness, and learn new skills? We also talk about cold immersion training. He can be in cold water for a long amount of time. It's, it's extremely impressive. And what are the benefits of doing this? We also chat about what are the wild foods and the benefits of eating those and different ways of physical training. So this is a fantastic podcast really about, you know, adapting to these times that are going on at the moment with the coronavirus and how we can optimize ourselves and have more reliance and resilience on ourselves to get through these challenging times. And he has lots of practical advice of how to do this. He's been optimizing himself and for years and teaching it to other people as well. And so it's fantastic. We get to hear what he's tried and tested in the field and, you know, different things through science as well as what is the best things for human optimization. So enjoy the podcast and share it with a friend that could find this beneficial as well. I hope everybody is doing well. Much love. Ben, fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Good. Really nice to catch up. It's been a year or so now. Yeah, it's it's been a while. I think the first time we caught up was with our mutual friend Doug. Yes. And came down here for a night and did a cold immersion. You took us for like a cold. That's right. We went surfing. We had yeah. fire out the back as well. We had a dinner out there. We did. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, we went and did um, some really cold. I think that was one of the first times I think Doug and I were getting into Wim Hof sort of deep breathing. Yeah. But that was one of the first times of being in like super 
cold water. That was cold. That was, uh, I think, end of winter. Very start of spring, maybe. Yeah. yeah. No, it was cold. It was, yeah. Jeepers. And then uh, you amazingly took us, um, 15 to 19 guys from Auckland, down on a men's adventure up into Mastown. Yeah. And that was a fantastic trip. It was overnight. Um, we were wild foraging. We were stayed what was the kind of setup that we stayed in we were like sardines in a sardine well, we tin. got there really late yeah and it was always going to be with that group that size group uh hard to organize and sort of organize everyone facilitate everyone so we had a tarp and there was a little bit of resourcefulness was the idea to sort of get up there and see what happens and um, use sort of team camaraderie and team building to turn the night into something special and um we the boys took a big tarp up like yeah. one of the biggest tarps you could find yeah and I think you just sort of uh, tacoed that over yourself. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the taco tent. Taco, taco <laughs> and we're shelter. All in, yeah, and I remember the fire just burning. And it yeah. was like an amazing experience of actually just getting back to nature with like a whole bunch of men, which it is was. amazing. It was. And you've been doing like more men's retreats and men's men's work. We have, yep. It's been a big focus the last four years, um, ever since we sort of went on that trip. So we, um, we have a men's expedition we do four times a year, each mm-hmm. season. And similar concept, get a group of guys down to nature, free of distraction, <clears throat> excuse me, um, teach them some sort of skills that are being forgotten these days, provide a little bit of solitude and isolation for them to sort of think objectively of where they're at at life, and cook some nice food and just sort of provide an environment where guys can talk mm. about meaningful things, there's no distractions, um, you know, it's comfortable, safe environment and um, people will leave really, really good friends. Amazing. And we sort of do our bespoke courses as well for men. So that could be a father and son. We do a lot of those. Mm-hmm. And again, really nice to get fathers and sons into the mountains, away from distractions where they can reconnect, um, do some survival-based skills, things like that, make some nice food and just um, just spend time together. Amazing. And I was uh, looking on your Instagram too and you were talking about like men's circles. Yep. And sharing something that like... I imagine it gets pretty vulnerable, like what the things people share, you know, of what, oh, definitely. what they're going through and then other people in the group provide feedback. Yeah. Because you were saying that if one man has gone through something, like 10 others will have like definitely. gone through it and you know know how to get through that. Definitely. It's, um, I mean, my job as a lead instructor, yep. so to make sure people are safe on the course to facilitate the course and organize it and also to teach a lot on the course through you know my personal development and years of research and study and experimentation and strategy but there's also every guy who's been on the course is um who's coming on the courses here for a reason and they would have been through ups and downs and they have a lot of experience and a lot of lessons as well so on the first day everyone's figuring each other out if you like and they have a bit of a guard up. And then the second and third day, we have these really deep, meaningful talks. And again, we like to share a problem we've had or a problem we're facing. And like, I, it's usually the part where I just leave them alone, take a step back and just let the group be a group. Mm. And very quickly, the guys realize that they're the, not the only ones in the world who has this problem. Mm-hmm. Most of the guys have been through the same problem. And through experience or mistakes, they can, you know, or, or finding ways around that problem or obstacle, they can collectively, as a group of guys, find a way and provide a strategy and ideas for people to get forward, to move forward. So yeah, part of my job is to teach things. Part of my job is to facilitate an environment where guys can just 
be open, be vulnerable in a trusting way mm-hmm. and help each other out. Yeah. Because we don't have that when we come back to modern life. You know, the, the, the infrastructure isn't there for it. We have bars, we have workplaces, we have sports games, but we never sort of strategize these environments where guys can get, and the same with women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, mothers, for example, um, I think it would be wonderfully powerful for them as well. So, it's an expression for everyone, basically. But I like to stick within areas that I feel I'm more of an expert, and mm-hmm. for me, that's men. Um, and there's amazing women out there doing very similar things. But yeah, to provide an environment where guys can come together and um, talk, share things. You know, yeah. we're, we're we're tribal people. We're supposed to be able to rely on each other. And again, the the construct of modern life is not very um, conducive for that health yeah i totally feel that like if i have a problem or situation going on it's nice to like express that to at least it is like one person and just kind of like share what's going on um what what would be some of your like just to talk about you know the pandemic that's going on at the moment um the coronavirus (laughs) what are some of your thoughts around like anxiety that people are experiencing with that and kind yeah of. yeah very good question um and that really ties into the mental health um mental wellness it's, it's all very much intertwined physical health i'll take a step back to answer that properly um we live in we live in a very precarious world with our mindset and mm-hmm. the way modern life is sort of architected these days we're so sort of fixated on the sort of technological industrial age where we're, and I'm not saying it's bad, it's brought us a lot of positives, but we're so um, head in the sand, if you like, fixated on going forward, you know, what's possible, what can we you know, evolve to forward, that we sort of forget that a lot of these sort of survival-based problems really do occur. Mm-hmm. And again, as you spoke about before, we outsource a lot of our problems these days, so we rely on other people to solve problems for us, and we've lost a lot of our self-reliance. Another thing is we, we're not very um, proactive these days or preventative. We react to problems. Um, I'm sick now. I've had a heart attack. Um, I should probably look after my health. You know, it's, totally. It's when it comes to health, eh? Exactly. I mean, that's an when example. When it comes to money, we're like more prepared. Of course. Of course. But then it's health. It's like, oh, what can I do now? I'm sick. Ex- exactly. So yeah. we're very reactive as a society and we've lost our self-reliance as a society. So... I guess where I'm going with this is we're not particularly um, resilient or adaptable when it comes to getting smacked in the face with really, um, like we said before, this is a, you know, we're, we're facing a historic problem at the moment. We haven't had this in over a hundred years. And as a society, we're not very well adjusted to dealing with large scale crises. Um, so, you know, a lot of what we teach is resilience. Mm. And I guess the underlying message for my work is, you know, my purpose, my goal is to help like-minded people prepare for the challenges we face yeah now that's men's health um that's 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 a corporate team with leadership team building problems um that's survival challenges we all face everyday survival challenges and this sort of ties into that again we're not particularly resilient or adaptable so people are going to really struggle with resilience and anxiety um because it, it is a serious problem um health-wise ec- economically totally um, socially economically yeah there's gonna be a lot of flow on effects mm-hmm. um and i guess my message for the last few years is how can we be resilient and adaptable and how can we train ourselves our families our communities our our our, our world to be better prepared 
Yeah. Um, and again, it's not just an individual preparation. You know, for me, I want to prepare myself to the utmost to look after my family and loved ones. But again, if I can help other people that I work with and inspire others to do the same thing, then they can do that, take that message and help other people with that as well. And, you know, it only takes one person to create change is, you know, a model of yours. Mm-hmm. I've heard before and, um, you know, it's... I, I, I see a lot of... Um, heartache coming from this but i also see a lot of positives because mm. it's going to really re- reground us and reconnect with was what's um, important in life mm-hmm. and also moving forward the fact that we do need to be more prepared yeah more resilient more adaptable um more more socially conscious with it with our choices and behaviors and um yeah it's a lot of people are going to suffer and have a lot of hard times and hopefully people like myself and you can be there for our communities and other other like strong strong minded people alike. Do you have areas of resilience? Because I love this word like resilience. And you know, a lot of people, you know, yeah, focus I guess on you fall down a cliff and the ambulance you get the ambulance yeah. on the way down. But what about at the top of the cliff? Of course. Before you fall down, so you don't fall down that cliff, yeah. what are some measures you can do to stay resilient? Do you have like areas? Because I know you're massively into like cold immersion. And so that's physical, mental, probably a lot of these things are interconnected. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I mean, like you said, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. How can we stop falling off the waterfall instead of getting rescued at the bottom? Yeah. That's always going to be the most beneficial thing. But there are going to be things we need to react to and have to deal with at the bottom of the waterfall, so to speak. So I try and uh, include certain resilience-based aspects and training into my and adaptations into my life. One is mental, mm-hmm. uh, mental challenges, which we have all the time. Um, two kids, yeah, uh, um, a partner. We, we all have. How old are your kids? Uh, one and three. Yeah, um, we all have, and a lot of this is perception. We all have a lot of mentally draining tasks in our life. If we can reframe them and reframe the perspective on them from this is a horrible thing and I won't have to deal with it until into how can I take this task and even though it may be really draining or numbing, I'm going to keep on doing it and getting better at it. So, and that, that's a wonderful resilience. You know, you, you're building up that resilience. You're getting better at it. It's less damaging every time you do it. What's an example of that? Like um, daily stress, how you manage that. Yeah. Instead of, you know, the mindset of I've just got to get through it, I'm going to get home and drink some beers or I've got to go through McDonald's yeah. just to decompress or have a pack of fags or smoke some weed. You know, instead of using daily stresses like just an excuse just to get through. Yeah. How can we take that daily stress, organize it better, um, take the things out of it, take the positives into it and say, I'm going to manage this and I'm going to adapt to it. Love because it. I... I we, we live in this world these days where it's um, we're very conscious and we're very loving and we're very spiritual mm-hmm. and all these things. And I understand that's important, but life is combat. Yeah. Life is hard. It's been hard since day one and it's going to be hard till there's no humans on this world. Life yeah. is hard. Life is combat. It's like a training ground, eh? Like life a is a constant training ground. Dragon and that Ball consciousness, Z. that love, that, that expression is a part of that. It's mm-hmm. a very valuable part in that recovery. And I think we're moved into this very conscious world where everyone's conscious and mm-hmm. we like to express that. I, I see that as a form of recovery from, from you know, stresses and trauma of all experience. Yeah. And that's super important, incredibly important. But that's half of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. To grow and evolve and extend, we also need to train. Yeah. And training is stress. Training is hardship. Yeah. Training is, is exposure to difficult things that we don't like so we can recover from, adapt to, and then get better at it. Or be more resilient in the future. Totally. And so like <clears throat> when it comes to life, 
you know, in a stressful situation comes, you're more adapted to that stressful situation because you've been out in the cold water. You're more adapted and that stressful situation doesn't affect you any near as much as it would other people. Mm -hmm. So for example, I can handle cold better than most people in the world purely just because I've done yeah. it, not because I'm special or anything. What do you reckon, like, just to talk about that because it's very impressive and um, it's not easy, like, going in a super cold environment, but what's your kind of, how long can you go now in a cold temperature? So I remember speaking to you about this, like, yeah. a while ago and I was like, wow, you must be up there with, like, Wim Hof who yeah. has the Guinness, Guinness World Record. Um, again, it's not because I'm special. I have any sort of genetic adaptation to it. It's just something I've really enjoyed, found interesting and wanted to explore the frontiers of. Mm. So when, when I first, first started in this sort of six, seven years ago, I found it really hard, really hard, like most people do when they start. But again, I was drawn to it for some reason. I think it was the hardship of it, the, the connection with nature and harsh environments yeah. that I really enjoy. I have always enjoyed and really applied to this. Um, not sure. I haven't really done any chronic tests for the reason that when I usually do it, I don't. I don't enjoy doing ice baths. Mm -hmm. I enjoy getting out in the backcountry environments where there's frozen lakes and glaciers yeah. and frozen waterfalls and doing it there. Yeah, and it's usually by myself, so you need to sometimes play on the side of caution because I, I need to get back out of there as well. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we did. I don't know. Swim in Lake Wanaka maybe last year. An hour and a quarter in the middle of winter. Um, an hour and a quarter yeah we did how how what was the temperature nothing crazy if there was about maybe seven or eight yeah. degrees we that did. is still cold though oh it is like it for is. people that is. yeah like not that like not super cold for you but like yeah. the people out there listening oh, it is. like it's very cold, yeah try and go in a water that's seven or eight degrees oh, of course and you will freeze one of the most memorable ones was um tasman glacier tasman lake in mount cook yeah, last winter and um, had sort of a one in a decade carving the the, the glacier carved it released all the ice. Okay, so a bunch of ice came off and it's about a five kilometer stretch lake, one kilometer across. It's a decent sized lake. Yeah, and it was it was completely full of ice. It was like a it was like a slushy when you buy a cola or like a slurpee. Yeah, yeah, with these massive icebergs in it. So oh. to actually get in the water was hard because you couldn't. It wasn't just straight liquid. It was like slushy. You couldn't actually find a place to actually get your body, and there was that much compressed ice. So it was slushy yeah, water. Yeah, yeah. I'll show you a photo afterwards. But there was just that much ice you actually had to hunt to find a spot just to sort of get in. Yeah. And that was um, 0.3 degrees. It was, it was just on frozen. 0. 0.3. Okay. And how long were you guys in there? That was just me. That was just under 29 minutes. <laughs> Do you know what the record is? Like, have you looked into that and kind of thought well, about they're all, it? Well, they're all different. Um, different temperatures um, yeah. for that. Yeah. And yeah, we should look into that. Oh, I might look into that anyway. Oh yeah, no, please, yeah, yeah. It was um, that, that was a hard know. one. It, but the thing people got to remember is when you get out, your your core temp's going to drop even lower. Yeah. Because when you're sitting there, your blood is pooling, and it's gone to your vital organs, and your blood's getting cool. Then you get out, do push ups, start running. Yeah. Blood starts circulating to your extremities, and your core temp can drop even lower. Yeah. So if you get out on death's door and think you're going to warm up, you're going to get go even lower. So you've got to get out at a point where you're you're really like, got to I, it, I know. Yeah. I've gone to a good limit yep. and I need to like be able to have energy to warm up. Exactly. Um, not the energy, not so much the energy, but the, you know, your core temp's not going to drop to a dangerous level post getting out. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's an amazing resilience skill. It provides a lot of intrinsic um, biochemicals and happiness and a lot of intrinsic traits that we all sort of chase these days, like hardship, getting out of nature, seeing incredible, incredibly beautiful places. 
Um, so that's one. So mentally, mentally, we do a lot of training in that we can use daily stress for that, perceive it a different way that we're going to, instead of avoiding it and finding dangerous habits to self-medicate, how can we use that as a resilience building aspect? Yeah. Uh, we sort of spoke about the cold, um, physical training we do a lot of as well. You know, gym, yeah. strength, explosive Epic. speed, endurance training is another one. I see your uh, brother as well. Like I started following yeah, him yeah, on Instagram. He does some wonderful work. Yeah. 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 Uh, do a lot of metabolic efficiency training. So yeah. um, how to go without food, fasting a lot. How to, how, you know, do a lot of training without food. Um, so, so intermittent or? Yep. Yep. So most days just out of habit now, not really eating before one or two. Um, and, and do you find like mental clarity what's like the biggest kind of benefit of that because i'm interested in that too well essentially you're tra- so there's a couple of things from a health point of view there's a, there's a huge amount you know autophagy ampk activation is the main ones what um, does that mean so this is going back to our sort of ancestral roots if you like yeah um the the adaptation physiological adapt the metabolic adaptation to waking up and eating Mm. and having morning tea then lunch and afternoon tea then dinner then dessert it's it's True. it's literally a blink of an eye in humans evolution right yeah because yep. for 99.999 percent of our time on earth we've had to get up get the fuck out of bed we need to go hunt an animal yeah so we'd get up yeah would be explosively sprinting would be chasing would be crawling we're doing these natural movements cool uh, and some days would catch an animal some yep. days we wouldn't. Some days we'd have to dig up a root. So I guess the, the premise here is we'd go through these highs and lows of fasting and feasting. Yeah. And the body evolved and developed these wonderful pathways, channels uh, to keep itself healthy and resilient. So autophagy is basically the body's internal recycling system. Mm-hmm. So we have dysfunctional mitochondria in cells. And when we go into a state of ketosis um, or certain level of that the body sort of initiates um, autophagy mm-hmm. which is basically mitochondrial biogenesis we you know replace mitochondria uh, we eradicate cells and, and bodily functions that aren't working too well um, so it's an, it's an internal recycling system if you like and the body uh, helps insulin resistance uh, things like that um, a lot of diabetics are, are finding it um, helps stabilize blood sugar what levels. do you think of mental health um, I, th- I think it's wonderful. I mean, it, again, people do this and they realize oh, it's not for me. You've done yeah. it for a week. We're also different, eh? We're also different. Um, I think as a species, it's very good for us. People have these days have a lot of different health conditions. Okay. That makes it hard to understand is this good for you or not? Yeah. As a species, it's wonderful for us, but I think there's so many varying health disorders these days. Um, I think it needs to be done wisely. Oh, and are you saying kind of like with, if somebody's only done it for a week, that's not a good enough test? Of course, yeah. And they might be in a really dangerous metabolic condition. Yeah. Um, so again, um, if all of us are a baseline and back to what we, you know, physiolog- physiologically should be, I think it's a wonderful practice. Yeah. But I think it needs to be done carefully. Same with cold water training. Yeah. Um, but again, from a survival point of view, there's the health side of it. There's the mental, you know, resilience side of it. Um, the survival point of view is more the reason I do it. The ability to function well without food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know very few people placed in a survival situation, the main obstacle for them is not the exposure or the dehydration or getting eaten by a bear. It's the uh, illogical thinking due to being hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, most people, when they get hungry these days, they make really logical decisions. They're irrational. They panic. They freak out because they've never been in that situation before. Yeah. Um, so the, again, the ability to go without food from a health point of view and also a survival point of view. Yeah. I mean, me personally, again, not because I'm special, just because I've trained for that. I can 
I can, I can go days without food and do a lot of training. Yeah. Uh, not something I like to do every day, but if that had to be done, um, I can easily do that. What's your kind of mindset around that? Because for a lot of people out there and, and including myself to a point, like would be like, man, I just like to eat and why oh, would I, I go without eating, you know? So again, I don't really eat till mid-afternoon and mm. that's not because I think about it. It's just because my body has adapted to that and I don't really feel like eating before that now. Do you have some liquids? Uh, yeah, I'll drink sometimes. Yep, yep. I'll, I usually don't drink. There's, there's sort of a lot of science around water fast as well. That's something I'd take a lot of caution to looking into. Um, but again, I don't have a lot of fluids until sort of mid-morning. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'll have broth, I'll have liquids or you know herbal teas or tonics in the morning. Coffee? No, I don't drink coffee. Yeah. No, I've, I think I've had a couple of cups in my life and that was before a race, running yep. race. Yeah. No, no, I don't drink coffee. I think if I did, I'd probably get quite addicted to it. Did <laughs> yeah. you drink coffee? Yeah. Yeah. I I just did a detox. So I was yeah. like off it for like 10 days. Yeah. yeah my but wife I just likes find, coffee. Yeah, I just quite like it. So. Yeah. But I think that would be in the fast, right? You could still have the coffee. Like um, maybe having like more of a bulletproof. Yeah. Well, as soon as you're putting calories in the body, your liver is processing them okay so a lot of people think a fast is um i could have a juice right your body's still processing yeah you know you're still metabolizing what you're ingesting yeah um and you know lower i'm not saying that's necessarily bad a lower calorie input is still shown scientifically to have a lot of benefit true so you don't need to be completely fasted um but yeah it's something to experiment with people yeah um learn about you know it's one thing to to hear it, but, you know, do some investigating for yourself, do some, you know, yeah. find, find good studies and research it yourself. Hey, everybody, we'll get you back to the podcast very shortly. Just wanting to make a massive shout out to Energy Cryptocurrency. Energy Crypto is funding this podcast and helping the Energy Impact team to leave the world in a better place than when we found it. Energy was conceived by Tommy on the 4th of July, 2017, which was Independence Day in the USA. It's created with the heart of freedom and liberation for humanity. Tommy's vision is that of a powerful, self-sufficient and economically optimized cryptocurrency, which alone is very rare in the space. Combined with smart contract capabilities, decentralized governance and strong moral leadership, as well as being a lot better for the environment because it uses proof of stake instead of proof of work. If you want to learn more about Energy Crypto, you can head to www.energy, with an I, .world, or if you want to purchase some Energy Cryptocurrency, one of the main exchanges where you can purchase it is KuCoin. That's K-U, coin. Now getting you back to the podcast. And that's what I, I like about what you've done and what you're you're doing. You seem just to like really enjoy optimization. Yeah. And then pass that on to other people, you yeah. know, like self-optimization, yeah. like what are some things that are going to improve like my yeah. overall health. And so would you say like on the top of that list, like one of them would be the water? Definitely. The cold water? Definitely. Yep. Yep. Physical training, fasting, uh, wild foods here and there. And um, and yeah, physical training, cold water, fasting. Let's yeah. chat about... um. Physical training, because that's uh, one people can do, you know, Absolutely. a lot of people are, are like on quarantine or isolated, great time to like put energy into your own 
physical health and yep. this helps to Im- um, build up your immunity right Certainly. so if you do get any virus or yep. to like not get it in the first yep. place yeah what's some um, physical training that you like to do well as a premise for this I mean, most people have got probably two hours extra a day at the moment because they're yeah they're not going to be traveling or not just yet but a lot of people True. will be when we sort of go into lockdown if that if that happens we're not gonna be driving to work and back there's probably an hour yeah not gonna be in the supermarket at the end of work so we'll probably have a couple of hours each day if not more so yeah. we can allocate to things so my training at the moment i come from an endurance background in the sport of triathlon mm. so i was used to professional doing a, triathlete right? yeah yeah a lot of endurance based work so i wasn't particularly strong but i could, had a great aerobic engine the last couple of years, I've been trying to introduce a lot more strength-based work um, to be stronger mm-hmm. um, and also injury prevention point of view. So currently, I'm just doing a lot of um, weights combined, circuit training, basically, weights combined cool. with aerobic conditioning. Is that like HIT style training? or um, Kind of. HIT's a very commercial aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, I'm flipping tires, I'm pulling, I'm doing bench press, I'm lifting bags of sand. Yeah, I like Really doing, functional movements. Pretty much. I right. like kind of trying to keep it as rustic as possible. Yeah. So for example, there's a, you know, when I can't go to the gym because they may close, maybe. True. Um, I've got a big tire out the back. Yeah. I've got an old ball bar from the car that's heavy as shit. And, and what I, do you do with that? I can just do deadlifts or rows with that. I can just lift it up. I've got yeah. an old car tire that I can push above my head. Yeah. I've got the deck there. You can do um you can do sort of trap squats on the side of the couch. You can do a five minute prone hold. You can do a wall squat against the side of the wall. Yeah. Um you can do box jumps, lunges, split squats. Yeah. Um there's Explosive all sorts of stuff. Exactly. And so like my brother Scott would be a great place because he does a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But there's no sh- we have internet currently. So all you have to do is Google online. Totally. Workouts. Home workout. What can I do to train at home? Yeah. You've got a million options. Yeah. Um, you know, and providing you're not in this hugely isolated, uh, sorry, um, congested area, you can still get out and run. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw that out of the house. Um, True. Just, just don't say, hey, let's get 20 guys together and go for a run, obviously. Yeah. But um, you can still leave the house, go for a run, do sprints up the street. Mm-hmm. find a hill find some stairs um, there's plenty of options a lot of this is just being resourceful yeah and that comes back to real survival skill as well it's just resourcefulness like you don't necessarily need a gym to go to not at all as you're saying you've got these different like it's optimal certainly yeah. it's that's the best option but there's plenty of things and you know in a survival situation which is essentially what we're moving into mm. for, for me resourcefulness is one of the key attributes how can we take the situation we've been given and modify it for the best outcome yeah with what we've got yeah yeah and um what about wild foods that'd be because yeah. this is something that i feel like a lot of people can you just explain what wild food is of course you don't really see, necessarily see it in the supermarkets not at all so a wild food analogy i'd use is a domesticated dog versus a wolf yeah so um People ask people how many species of dog they are. They'd say, I don't know, 20,000, 100,000. There's one. And there's the Canis lupus, the gray wolf. Every dog we've got is a subspecies, a domesticated version of that wolf, basically. So a long time ago, we realized that we couldn't live with wolves, but we found that they have benefit. So we started making them more docile. We started domesticating them and breeding them to provide us with the traits we liked. So we had shepherds and dogs that would go get rats down drains and guard dogs and things like that. So we started modifying their genetics basically to suit us. And we've ended up with an awful lot of dogs. Uh, subspecies of the wolf, 
Um, the same has been done with wild foods. So traditionally would have tumors or plants that were pretty inedible. So the banana is a great one, for example. A wild banana is tastes like shit and is riddled with seeds. It's inedible, basically. But we started splicing the genomes and domesticating it, essentially. Mm-hmm. So the wild... Sorry, the, um, the most prominent flavor profile in a wild food is bitterness. Mm. And if you go to the supermarket, what's the one flavor profile that you're not going to find? Bitterness. Bitterness. And it's what about like kale and stuff? Yep. So, so certain, certain plants will still have it, but not to the degree of what an organic heirloom grown in hardy conditions would provide. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially we have domesticated plants and foods to make them taste more palatable for the modern palate. To be bigger, sweeter, riper, um, more shelf stable, more more shelf stable, more uniformed. You know, you you don't see unattractive fruit in the supermarket; mm. they don't sell. So we've modified food to suit the modern human, the modern palate, if you like, the modern eye. Um, and what that's done is basically it's taken the phytochemicals, the resilience, the the medicine, the medicinal properties out of that plant. If you go and eat some wild dandelion up at Snow Farm, there's a lot up there. And across the road, there's a lot. It's very bitter. It's got some, you can't have a lot of it because it's too much of it will be toxic for the body. Mm, okay. But in small doses, it'd be a tonic, a tonic effect, like a, a tonic. Yeah. Um, so traditionally, we ate wild foods because they had a hormetic effect on the body. They stressed the liver, for example, like dandelion tea or dandelion root or leaf. Um, and it would be the same effect as going to the gym. So it kept our internal organs resilient and adaptable and stressed to a certain point of health. Um, but they also contain medicinal profiles um, that kept us very, very healthy for a huge amount of time. You know, traditionally, whether it be the Maori, um, Native Americans, um, Eastern Europeans, we all had traditional plants that were used for healing purposes, mm, or ailments or true. sicknesses, disease. And obviously that's still alive with herbalism and, and Maori tradition and all sorts around the world. But um, it's becoming a lost art. So yeah, a big part of what we do obviously is foraging from a intrinsically rewarding point of view to go out and know what plants you can eat and bring back and provide for your family. Springtime we have a lot of pine pollen here, so we do a big we didn't we missed it last year actually. But um be the first year I've missed it about ten years, sorry, seven or eight years. Um, pine pollen, amazing plant. Um, across the road now there's a from pine trees yep so that's the pine pollen's the the male sperm essentially the male spore yep um and it's yeah wonderful wonderfully beneficial um and it's really fun to go and collect as well you know you go and collect a year supply it takes a couple of days and you're good so how much of your food do you kind of get from the supermarket obviously like you've got two kids of course and a, a f- the last couple of years have been a bit harder to do that yeah uh, when we go out for example um we try and get as much as we can. We're planning a trip up to Maystown soon, and up there there's got rose hips, spearmint, oregano, thyme, uh, plums, um, apples, and pears from the Chinese gold miners who settled back in the 1800s. Sure. So you've got incredibly resilient, adaptable heirloom food, which you just can't you you can't buy that these days unless you know you've got to search really hard for it. Um, you know, with, with the impending food shortage, just possibly. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, you know, supply channels will be disrupted. We have a lot of wild apples at the moment. So, you know, last week I went out and collected three or four black bin bags full, stewed those down over a couple of days and Beauty. filled half the freezer. Oosh. You know, so there's there's ways you can implement it into your life to be more satisfying, yep. to be more self-reliant. And also there's the health benefit as well. And they all tie in together. They're all intertwined. Yeah. 
um yeah that answers that totally what about um that, does that go to the same for meat when you can like definitely wild yep so this year a big goal for me is to learn hunting with a, a bow cool traditional bow yep got a crossbow at the moment um just because i mean a rifle's highly effective and there's nothing wrong with it but i want to i, I kind of want to make hunting a bit harder yeah want to suffer a bit more with it yeah make it a bit more of a practice and a ritual yeah um i mean yeah there, there's no right or wrong way to do that i guess but for me i just want to use hunting as a, as a practice for you know physical hardship stress resilience yeah and come back having harvested an animal with a lot more meaningful result and do you try and like eat because a lot of people eat like the meat of yep. the animal but there's supposed to be quite a lot of benefits from eating kind of like the different organs oh, or of course. things right heart liver yeah. kidney of course absolutely i mean it's from a health point of view that they're they're full of they're better so, for oh, you they than, are certainly yeah, yeah. certainly yeah absolutely i mean but there's nowhere really you can go out and buy that stuff right uh, you got to you got to search for it. Yeah. And again, you know, as we spoke about with wild foods, um, they're not popular in supermarkets these days. Yeah. You know, same with with meat. You know, we like soft, tender, well marbled cuts of meat. Mm. They're the most popular, the most expensive. And um, these other things that are actually really beneficial from the the carcass is actually. Oh, of course, you know, you just can, getting thrown away. You can buy half a kilo of, um, you know liver for three bucks, and you can buy half a kilo of ribeye for forty bucks, or you know, twenty bucks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, I, I guess just part of this is learning what's, what's best for humans. Yeah. What's going to make us, what's going to bring the best out of us. And <coughs> excuse me, uh, you know, a, a big mentality for me is people come to these courses or get into this thinking it's a, a six week fix, you know, six weeks I'm going to learn about this. But for me, it's the mentality of I'm going to commit to the day I die of becoming the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you adopt that patience and that mentality you realize that there is no short game to it it's a really long game mm. and it opens up a world of opportunity because this year you might learn about hunting yeah next year you might learn about you know emotional intelligence whatever but you, you've got you've, you've got a long time to learn basically and you just keep chipping away and you know over 10 years you, you, you acquire a very good toolkit of assets that you can apply to life and others around you as well totally yeah People, yeah, that quote, I love that quote, that people overestimate what they can do in like a week or a short amount Absolutely. of time and underestimate like what they could do in like a year oh, or a decade. Definitely. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Um, what would be just some like final bits of advice? I know time's coming um, to an end here, but what would be, yeah, some final bits of advice for people out there that are struggling with um, what's going on in the world this pandemic at yep. the moment um, of coronavirus what are what are some like things you want to share with people um, I, like I said before I think this this virus this this outbreak this this global crisis we have is going to cause a lot of problems health-wise for people people are going to get sick they're going to die unfortunately there's going to be flow and effects to the economy people are going to lose jobs they're going to find it hard to pay bills um, my my work has been hit very hard by this, but I have the resourcefulness, adaptability, and resilience to try and make something good out of it. Um, everyone's got to struggle in some way or another, whether yeah. they're directly impacted by an illness or the flow and effects, for, which which is terrible. But it, again, it also provides us with an opportunity to reground ourselves, mm. um, to understand that everyone's going to be in the same boat, be a bit more compassionate, look out for one another, but also to sort of realise that 
life is hard and to understand that we can't rely on others all the time mm. it's nice to have people to help out and to build those connections and relationships with but I think that self-reliance mindset is a wonderful formidable skill yeah and not to obviously pass up help when it's available um, or with there's other people who are better skilled than us but I, I guess just to realize it's a very grounding it's a very it's an opportunity to reground ourselves and understand that life is hard and you know these things do happen and they don't happen every day but when they do happen it can cause dire consequences and as adults as fathers as as mothers as leaders in our community whoever we are we all have a responsibility to play within our family within ourselves for self-mastery and our communities our countries to be better people mm. and hopefully this is a bit of a, a wake-up call a good opportunity to understand that we do need to focus on other skill sets outside of making money yeah. and tourism or travel and whatever whatever categories you want to phase it into but we need to understand that we need to have other skill sets because life is combat life is hard it has been like that since day one and it's you know it's always going to be mm -hmm. we're facing we're facing incredible climate change challenges and this virus one day will break down and dissipate that may be six months or maybe two years i, I have no idea i don't think anyone knows but yeah, again it's a shame that people are going to suffer but possibly we could also look at it as an opportunity to prepare ourselves better for what's to come socially personally community-wise family-wise because again um you look at the global crisis worldwide as you spoke about before you know australia's had record fires record floods record temperatures and it's only march there's three months yeah um, the world is not in great shape the economy's not in great shape socially we're not in great shape health-wise we're not in great shape so in no way am i a um you know, looking for the doomsday, I'm just a realist on mm. the challenges we face. Yeah. So I think a bit of it's a good, it's an opportunity for reality check, and to understand that you know this world is a beautiful place. Like we said, we can sit online and we can research online training. Mm. You know, um, in the Spanish flu in 1918, I think it was uh, self isolation was a problem. You had to self isolate, but we couldn't. I couldn't call you and say, "How are you doing?" True. I couldn't look at your face on my phone just there and say, how are you going? True. Talk to me. Yeah, I'm having yeah. a shit day. Yeah. It, the world is incredible with opportunities right now. Yeah. We have every opportunity at our disposal to be the best versions of ourselves, the best version of the world. Um, so again, bad things will come from this virus, but hopefully we can look at it as an opportunity to move forward in a better version, more resilient, more adaptable, more socially conscious and responsible way. So I love it, man. Because those, we're going to need that. The virus will go away at some point. Again, it could be short, it could be long. I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. But we're going to face environmental challenges, economic challenges. And hopefully this is a good opportunity to have a bit of a smack of the nuts and say, we need to do things better. Yeah. We need to be more resilient, more prepared, more less complacent. Yeah. And more open to the fact that the world is going to throw challenges at us. Some some of those are our doing. Many of those are our doing. And how can we how can we how can we live life better? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think this is a good wake-up call and obviously people are still in a bit of a panic phase and, and rightly so because a lot of people aren't used to this way of living or this, this mindset of challenge. So once the dunce, dust settles and people have a bit of time for objective perspective and thinking, you know, possibly we can move on to the topic and conversation worldwide of you know, how can we avoid this again? Yeah. Climate change is a... Is a yeah, how, like we've like really come together we've to tackle this. We've just got through this possibly if we do. 
um what can we exactly how can we apply this like shut down and everything to climate change because it is having like massive positive it effects is. on climate change and the amount of airplanes not yeah flying at the moment and you know world will need to go back to a certain normal yeah. because that's the infrastructure we've set for ourselves. But hopefully the conversation will be brought up by global leaders and governments of, and you know and people like us alike of how can we be more resilient? How can we better face crisis? How can we train better mentally, physically, emotionally? Totally. Individually, collectively, as a country, as a world to face the challenges we're going to face. Yeah. Um, because we always have faced challenges and we always will. Yeah. And uh, I think in the next 20 years, um, our planet is going to face challenges like never seen before Mm -hmm. a lot of our doing um what because i know you offer a lot of uh support to people online as well where what are your online courses about and yeah where can people find you too so we'll have a social media so instagram facebook um, i think it's that logan.law that.logan.law uh, Facebook as well. Uh, yep. We've got our website, loganlaw.co.nz. Yep. Um, Epic information on there as well. I was having a good look oh, thank today. You. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so our physical courses are somewhat on halt at the moment. We like yep. to bring people to the mountains. I can't change that. I don't, um, you know, people can't travel for one and morally and legally I have an obligation to look after people and yep. ensure their safety and me making them travel from places around the world is not me doing my moral part yep. or my individual part to help this crisis. So we're trying to shift everything online at the moment. Cool. We've got our men's coaching which is primarily based around health and things like that but obviously at the moment we're going to be shifting a bit more resilience adaptability um, aspect and then we have our sort of preparedness consulting which we work with families groups and individuals and we find ways that they can be better prepared to face crisis situations epic um, yeah you know, I enjoy working with families and groups and just seeing the the confidence they they get um, a lot of people sort of come at this work from a place of fear mm-hmm. they try and induce fear from a situation get a response but you know i try and do this more of a place of empowerment yeah because to be yeah. to to be able to manage cold to go without food all these things are spoken about and these aren't the only ways to go about it but to, i guess my point is to be resilient and adaptable and to have the skill sets needed to manage this world yeah and i imagine that like is an incredibly empowering thing. totally and gives a lot of like confidence oh, it's huge. to yourself like it's i've huge. got this like if yep. say if you have a mental health struggle day or if like something happens in your life yep. it's like man you've been through some of stuff that you've like trained you, you, are, you are trained to manage it yeah and there's a lot of things i need to still work on and i always will there's other areas that we haven't spoken about that i still need to work on and i'll still be doing that till the day i die but yeah to, to live life with confidence adaptability yeah. um is an incredibly empowering feeling yeah um yeah oh amazing man i feel like there's so much um more we could chat about but we could We'll Another leave time. it. We'll leave it there at the moment. Um, thanks so much for your My time. Pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Cheers, Ben. Hope you enjoyed that podcast, everyone. And I do want to mention that we have got our website up, impact.energy.world, the Energy Impact website, where you can find really good information around health and wellness, how to improve your own health and empower yourself as well things on manifestation and law of attraction and as well how we can improve the health of the planet so check that out over on impact.energy.world also share this with a friend share it on instagram tag us at energy.impact that's energy.impact with an i then also tag the logan law 
the.logan.law on Instagram too. He'd love to see it. And hope everybody has a beautiful week. And look, let's look after each other out there in these times and build on you know, things we can do to improve our overall health and wellness. There's more hours in the day now if you're not working as much. And what are some things you know you can do to improve your overall health and wellness? What's a practical thing you can do this week? You know, enjoy everyone. Much love.